Hello and peace, everyone. This is Anthony Marinese, host of Eternal Insight. We'll start the show here in a second, but I wanted to take a moment to tell each of you about a new innovation with our broadcast partner, Anchor FM. You can now financially support our show by offering either a dollar, five, or ten dollars a month. These contributions greatly assist us in our efforts to continue transmitting the timelessness of eternal truth. And what's more, at EI, we're big believers in giving back. So many of your contributions will be reinvested with our other charitable partners and beneficiaries. It's all about paying it forward and passing the good along. Please consider enrolling in monthly support of our good works. We'd be so sincerely grateful if you did. Simply visit our radio show page at anchor.fm forward slash eternal insight and click on the support our show button. It's very simple and very quick. From all of us at EI, thank you for listening and for your support. Enough of this for now. Let's start the show, shall we? The best things follow us into eternity. Eternal insight on the Fiat Ministry Network starts now. Here's Anthony Marinese. Oh, happy day indeed. Is that how the song goes? Oh, happy day. I am so glad to be back on the airwaves with all of you, and I want to thank all of you for listening. Welcome to Eternal Insight. Thank you to all of you who have tuned in via live stream on our partner network, the Fiat Ministry Network, as well as to those who are listening via the Anchor FM worldwide radio broadcast platform or on podcast in one form or another. I'm Anthony Marinese. I am a lecturer and research scholar in the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Memphis. And occasionally I write a bit. I'm the author of the book, Cross of a Different Kind, Cancer and Christian Spirituality. That book is a field guide for all persons impacted by cancer, whether you've lost a loved one, are currently battling cancer, or if you have someone who is a survivor. The book is available on Amazon in hardcover, paperback, and ebook. And all proceeds benefit the world-renowned and life-saving St. Jude Children's Research Hospital here in Memphis, Tennessee. Simply head over to Amazon.com and tap in my last name, Marinese, that's M-A-R-A-N-I-S-E, and it'll pop right up. I'm a cancer survivor myself, and so I and St. Jude cannot thank you enough for your very valuable support, as once again, 100% of all the proceeds from the sales of that book benefit the life-saving work at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. To those of you who are listening, we invite you to engage with us. You can follow us on Twitter using the handle at insight underscore eternal, and you can also follow our network broadcast platform partner Fiat Ministry Network using their handle at Fiat Ministry Net. We warmly invite you to write in or to contact us with any of your own thoughts or presuppositions or questions or comments. Offer us your own eternal insights if you'd like via our email address. It's a bit long, but that email address is eternalinsightpm, that's P as in Paul, M as in Mary at secretary.net. So eternal insight PM at secretary.net. I want to just remind you very quickly um, about our mission and ultimately that our show 
Eternal Insight, is all about transmitting the timelessness of truth. At EI, we believe that whatever is authentically good, true, or beautiful points us towards the awareness and experience of the truth who is a person. Indeed, as the theologian Karl Barth said, truth is a person, and that person is way, truth, and life. Just as he endures forever and for always, so we believe that whatever is authentically good, true, and beautiful also endures in him. At EI, we are ever working to effect a focal change away from whatever is temporary and fleeting and reorient that back towards a focus on what endures, and most importantly, through whom it endures. As you all know, at the beginning of each episode, we like to begin with a quote to sort of set the tone for the show and what we'll be discussing with our guests. Today's quote comes from the famed Christian apologist and English writer, C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis writes, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal and their life is to ours as that of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and even exploit. Again, that quote of the day from C.S. Lewis. What I want to do now is turn into not only greeting, but providing a little background on our guest about whom I'm entirely excited today. Honestly, today was one of those days um, where it was honestly, especially the morning and my morning courses this morning, it was a bit of a trudging, but being able to look forward to this show today uh, certainly helped me sort of power through. Um, and so I'm, I'm very, very excited uh, about today's show and about today's guest. So without further ado, today's guest is a priest of the Missionary Oblates of Mary Immaculate. He was born in Zambia, South Africa, and joined the Oblate Congregation in 1995. He trained for the priesthood in Zambia, South Africa, as well as in Rome, and was ordained a priest in 2004. He was awarded the Bachelor of Philosophy degree at summa cum laude by the Pontifical Urban University in Rome, as well as the Bachelor of Theology degree by the Pontifical Gregorian University, also in Rome. Also, the Bachelor of Theology degree with honors and the Master of Theology degree from the University of KwaZulu-Natal in South Africa. Among other things, our guest has served on the staff of the Oblate Pre-Novitiate and at Mary Immaculate Parish in Lusaka, Zambia. Between 2006 and 2014, he was assigned to the Oblate Scholasticate in South Africa where he served as a formator and also as a teacher of philosophy. For three years, between 2011 and 2014, he served as academic dean and vice president of St. Joseph's Theological Institute in South Africa. Currently, our featured guest for this evening is pursuing the PhD in spirituality at the Oblate School of Theology in San Antonio, Texas. 
Our guests' interests include the spirituality of Henri Nouwen, which we're going to be talking about today, preaching retreats, and exploring the interface between spirituality and social action. Upon completing his degree, he hopes to return to Africa to serve the local church there, working in formation and also teaching in the areas of spirituality and theology. What a phenomenal background and biography. Without further ado, it is my distinct pleasure to welcome to our show Father Raymond Wangala, a priest of the Missionary Oblates of Mary Immaculate. Father Raymond, thank you for joining us. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, and thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. It is a pleasure, absolutely a pleasure. I assume that it's still hot in San Antonio. Well, it's still hot, but we're looking forward to the cooler weather coming. I am too. I am too. I'm walking between my class buildings today. I was, I was just building up a I'm building up a sweat, and I was just like, wow, my one room that didn't have any air conditioning, but, you know, small sufferings, we just offer those up. Oh, yeah. um, nevertheless, uh, this, you know, I've, I've obviously mentioned on several occasions already <clears throat> tonight, even, how excited I am about this show, and uh, what's, what's very cool, um, honestly, is that um, we know that you're uh, focusing your, your dissertation um, in the PhD studies on the spirituality of Henri now and and so this is this is going to be um, I think just a fantastic show and, and we look forward to being able to kind of pick your brain a bit about um, some of the finer spiritual points of Nowen's um, spirituality so um, we're just going to sort of dive right in if if you're amenable to that father does that sound okay that sounds okay uh, once again thank you very much for inviting me uh, to the show and especially to talk about uh, Henry Nouwen, because for me, it's become a passion of my life. Um, I've been reading Henry Nouwen for the last two decades or so, having been introduced to his writings when I was still uh, in the seminary. Uh, my spiritual director gave me his book, uh, Intimacy, and that began my journey. But for the last three years, I've been... Uh, you know, reading him more on a scholarly uh, manner. And I've had the opportunity not only to read Henry, but also to read what others have said about Henry and to meet in person some of the people who knew him quite well, people like uh, Sister Sue Mostella, who lived with him in Lash Daybreak. And just this last summer, I had the opportunity to go to Holland and I stayed for a few days with his brother, Laurent. So I've had the opportunity to talk to people who knew him and to listen to their experiences about uh, Henry. Unbelievable. Uh, what, what a like, remarkable uh, gift that you're able to share with us tonight. And, and how exciting that you get to you know, know these people who knew him firsthand. I mean, what, I, mean I can't even imagine some of the, the, the graces that you've been able to absorb from knowing a person of you know, with, with his level of, of spiritual strength um, that just obviously carried through him through a number of, of adversities. Uh, just, just profound, honestly. Um, as, as you mentioned, or well, as, as we mentioned rather in, in your biography just a moment ago, um, you're, you're in your PhD studies at the Oblate School of Theology and focusing that dissertation on the spirituality of Henri. Um, would you mind sharing with our listeners, if you would, what are a few of the facets of his spiritual theology that, that you find most fascinating? 
Well, what I find most fascinating about uh, the life and spirituality of Henry is, first of all, that uh, he's been dead more than two decades. He died in 1996, and that people are still reading Henry. And anytime there is a meeting or a conference on the life and spirituality of Henry, you can't seem to get enough people to, you know, come. There's always crowds who come and they share about uh, how Henry has touched them. So the first thing that I find very fascinating and that uh, intrigues me is what is it about the life and the writings of Henry Nouwen that speak to people, that speak to me? And in talking to different people about it, uh, there's several things. He was such a deep person that you, it's hard to summarize it into one thing. You know, for some people, uh, Henry gives voice to their deep longings and struggles. Reading Henry, people are able to say, that is what I've been going through, but maybe have not had the words, the language with which to express myself. And so he had this amazing ability of fashioning words. I think Henry, in more ways than one, was an artist. He was able to bring out that which people go through. But also others uh, have shared with me that what touches them about Henry is that he was able to help people, you know, feel and express what it means to be the beloved of God. He was a wounded man, he was a tormented man, but he knew deep down that he was the beloved of God. But for me personally, there are two things that I'm coming to appreciate more about Henry that he does for me. The one I like to th think of him as holding a mirror. He holds a mirror in which I can look and see myself. And so every time I read the works of Henry, I sort of see reflected back to myself my own experience. And the other thing I think of Henry is of Henry as a window, a window that points us to something greater. And I came to this realization uh, talking to his brother, Laurent. Laurent was quite uncomfortable about talking about uh, the spirituality of Henry or what was unique about Henry. He said what he found about his brother was that Henry was inviting people to stand with him and look in the same direction. He was pointing towards something. And so if we find ourselves focusing too much about the drama of his life or what went on in his life, we sort of missed the point because Henry was writing, sharing his experience so as to invite us to look towards God. And that was what was central in his life. Absolutely beautiful. Um, what, a, what a stunning summation, um, not just of, of your own interests, but the things that, that truly are at the heart of now in spirituality. And, and, and of course, this, this pivotal point and idea that you mention is, of course, one of the things that, that points us most assuredly to not only his holiness, but um, almost in, the, in, in that sort of Ignatian way, that discerning uh, the spirits as to whether or not this comes from the evil one or from God. We, we know that it comes from God if someone is not ever saying, look at me, look at me, but instead pointing to the Father. And of course, we know this from Christ. We know this from our Blessed Mother. Even Christ himself was always saying, well, one doesn't come to the Father except 
through me. They have to go through him, but it was still the end goal for them to go to the Father. And of course, knowing, you know, in the, in the silences of the Trinity, he and the Father are ultimately one. And then, of course, even our Blessed Mother in her, in her many apparitions uh, is, always, is always pointing to her son. So we're able to kind of um, glean from that, that pointing away from self and pointing outwardly towards, towards Christ, the, the ultimate, <laughs> or, or that who should be rather our um, beloved, but, but so many times we find ourselves coming up short <clears throat> in terms of, of loving him uh, as we ought. And, and that's, of course, something that uh, you know, is a, is a great element of, of now in spirituality, um, as, as of course you well know, but perhaps uh, some of our, our um, listening audience isn't quite aware, you know, of that, uh, his, his interior struggles uh, with, a, with a number of different things. And of course, what we want to really talk about this evening is, is that idea of, of the many perhaps misadventures in human love that, um, that on that Henri faced and and how how deeply that affected him um, personally, but but how his spirituality and how his reliance on God uh, and realizing that in God he he is loved perfectly in a way that could never disappoint him, how that helped carry him on. So so that said, one of the elements of of now in spirituality uh, that is at least often intrigued me, but especially within the last two years or so. Um, I, I personally lost two persons very close to me, one um, unexpectedly to, uh, to physical death, a, a, a young friend of mine that, that um, honestly uh, was, was taken too soon from this world, and then another um, it was a, a breakup with a phenomenal young woman, um, and that sort of an emotional distance also affected me. Um, so this emphasis that, that Henri places on the endurance of love beyond both death and even the lack of reciprocal love. Um, so I guess spiritually and, and theologically speaking, um, Father Raymond, if you wouldn't mind, um, how does, how does Nowen explain this concept of love's continuing or love's enduring beyond both death and distance? Being an artist, I think Nowen doesn't use uh, one phrase to express, uh, you know, how love endures be beyond death and beyond loss, but he tries in many ways to, you know, express how that is uh, experienced in human life. The first thing that I think he would point out is that loss through death or any kind of fracture is painful. And uh, when we experience that kind of loss, our temptation is to move away from it, you know, to try and avoid it. But Henry says that it is only through our wounds that, and through our pain that we can come to a deeper meaning of life and of love. And so rather than moving away from where it hurts, he invites us to go back and there in the wounds to attend to our own wounds. And one of the phrases that he uses uh, quite often in his writings is that when we grieve, when we mourn, when we attend to our wounds, we find that at the same time, there's a new life that is springing forth, that in our tears, there's a joy that is given. And so a new life is born from our wounds, from our pain. You know, his classic uh, book, The Wounded Healer, tries to express that, that 
we all suffer in a kind of way because we, we experience loss. And rather than going away from our loss, from our wounds, we ought to go back to our wounds and from that be able to reach out to others. And so when we have experienced loss of whatever kind, the first thing I think that Henry would invite us to do is to grieve our losses, to mourn our losses. And as we grieve, we discover that we, we become new people. We carry the people and the losses that we experience within ourselves, but in a new way. Beautiful. I, I, um, <laughs> you're, you're, you're honestly, with, with some of this wisdom, you know, you're, you're hitting very, very close to home uh, in, in my own life. And, and that's, you know, something that I've often, often wondered, like, you know, I, I perhaps don't want to, um, you know, have to, have to say goodbye to these, to these persons um, who are so dear to me. Uh, and I, obviously I, I know that, you know, it's inevitable to have to do that in a, in a human sense, but, but there is that, that very real, um, uh, very, very real sense that perhaps it doesn't have to be uh, a complete uh, disconnection or, or isolation from these people because the things that are more real obviously are, are the things that, that we're not even privy to see at, at this phase in life. Um, you know, we, we often can't see beyond the veil of this life where, where the most real of things exist. And, and I think that that's one of the most inspiring things about him is that he, he was able to sort of hinge upon the truth of, of what, like our mission at Eternal Insight to see what truly endures beyond the temporary and the fleeting of, of this life. And that's so, that's so beautiful and touching. And I, and I love the point that you made. And I think a lot of our, a lot of our listeners, viewers will as well, this idea of really embracing the, the hurt and the pain um, because it not only does it change us in a way for the better, but it invites us to having overcome that to reach out and to have a better sense um, of, of needing to and wanting to help others who are also suffering like we have. Um, in, a, in a real way, it, it echoes that, that kenosis, that self-giving love of, of Christ in a way. And, and I, that's, that's incredibly um, uh, profound. And you know, I think I, if, if I had to encourage individuals to pick up and read Nowen's work, which is, I think, for the most part, and I'm sure you'd agree with me, very accessible. Um, yeah, obviously, it's um, perhaps, you know, uh, on a more scholarly level, things that individuals um, casually reading may not, may not know. But I think for a person that's looking for comfort of some sort, many of his writings are very accessible and, and have a number of takeaways. And that kind of brings me... <clears throat> If I, if I may, Father, to our, our next um, question, and this is one of those sort of beautiful takeaways that at least I've uh, come to understand. He has a, a very beautiful and also very brief um, book, The Inner Voice of Love, and in it, Henri shares one of the most beautiful meditations. Um, I liked it so much, in fact, that I quoted it as, um, as a forerunner page in, in my newest book. Um, and he writes, your love, insofar as it is from God, is permanent. You can claim the permanence of your love as a gift from God. When others stop loving you, you do not have to stop loving them. 
And then he goes on to write, those you have deeply loved become a part of you. When your love is truly giving and receiving, those whom you love will not leave your heart even when they depart from you. So, Father, these quotations, of course, while beautiful, are also somewhat countercultural, um, especially in our society and our world today. Um, how might you distill or explain these valuable and comforting truths to a, to a more lay audience who's, who's really sort of become disillusioned by the way that this world treats love? Okay, uh, before I respond to that question, just to make a comment on what we were talking about, you know, our wounds and our pain. Certainly. That is where we find, you know, our joy. That's the theology of the cross. It's in the cross that we find our salvation. And often it's at those places where we are hurting, where we are wounded, where we experience loss, that we also begin to find our most fruitful and valuable lessons. And so Henry was just finding a way, a language in which to express what the mystery of the cross is all about. The inner voice of love and the quotations you have, you know, the quotes that you, you, you read from the inner voice of love have to be placed in context. And the book itself has to be placed in context because, you know, Henry was a very restless person and he was searching for a home. And in 1986, he moved to Lush Daybreak, where he lived with people with uh, mental and physical disabilities. And he felt that he had found a home, and uh, that he had found a place for his restless soul. And shortly after he arrived there, he experienced a significant loss. A very meaningful friendship broke down. And Henry really went into what you would call a dark night of the soul. He had to withdraw himself from community and from his relationships to go and receive therapy and healing. And it was during that time, you know, between 1987 and, and June 1988, that Henry kept this as a private journal to himself, not meant for publication or for sharing with anybody. And so every day after meeting with his therapist and spiritual director, he would write imperatives to himself about what he was going through. Uh, after he sort of recovered from that experience, he had the opportunity to look back at his experience and in a more de detached way, he was able to write his classic book, you know, uh, The Return of the Prodigal Son. And so The Return of the Prodigal Son is the fruit of that painful, deep experience that he suffered. The inner voice of love was written at the heart of that experience. Henry did not want to publish it until, you know, close to the end of his life when a few of his friends advised him to share his insights with the general public, saying to him, look, people have been touched, have been moved by what you write, but often they don't see from what kind of an experience such deep insights come. And so in the inner voice of love, you have Henry writing in probably his most tentative way, he is not sure where and how it's going to develop and he's writing for himself. And one of the things he discovers is that Henry was very sensitive. He was sensitive to how people treated him. He was sensitive to his own needs and his own feelings. And a friendship broke down and he discovered that he was expecting from friendship and from people around him what only God could give. 
And so he began to realize that if we expect perfect love from others, we will be disappointed because no human being, no matter how good they are to us, will be able to satisfy us you know, in our deepest needs. And so we, we are able to see that all of us, in a sense, uh, are human, are limited, and that we cannot place on any human being what only God can give. And so often what I do is I invite people to read The Return of the Prodigal Son and The Inner Voice of Love side by side. One which is written from the heart of the darkness and the other one which is written after he has recovered and in a more detached way he tries to share the insights that have come from only one who had the courage to go into the heart of darkness. That uh, that that idea of of looking for for that home even amidst the the great pain and suffering i just you know i i kept hearing in in my own sort of spirit and and heart that that ever famous and still always beautiful augustinian quote our hearts are restless until they rest in you O lord mm-hmm. that that concept uh, where where so many and i mean i think many of us honestly uh father i know that i've certainly been guilty of it before um, where we expect, honestly, for someone uh, in in their in their human love to swoop in and and right all the wrongs and and save us and make our life meaningful, only for our our hopes and our hearts to sort of be dashed against the rock because because we put so much confidence and faith in another person who, like us, is prone to error and to failure and who isn't perfect. And, and, and so in doing that, we're, we're almost setting ourselves up in a way for, uh, for a letdown. Now, of course, I don't say this to, to in any way trivialize the, the true beauty that does still exist in, in um, human love, whether that is friendship or in spousal or marital love or even the love of, of children or anything like that. But, but certainly um, when, when we when we run, we run that risk if we're, we're expecting to find in any form of human love what you have so aptly mentioned, that, that only God can, can give us that love in an unceasing measure, a measure that's not only perfect but also unending. That's and, beautiful. Just to comment a bit more on sure. the quote from St. Augustine. Absolutely. Augustine says, you, O Lord, have created us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And that is the heart of spirituality, this restlessness that moves us out of ourselves, and we may not even be conscious of it, but we are actually restless for God. And so our human loves, our human desires, sometimes get confused for the deep and lasting love that we are looking for. And so in a sense, we cannot come to love God deeply without these human loves. But the problem is often that we confuse what is meant to be a means or a sign of God's love for the end itself. And we find that uh, they are not fulfilling or they disappoint us, but they were meant to be partial loves or loves that lead us to God. 
Father, we have um, <clears throat> a, a few more moments and, and we would like to, I know you're incredibly busy and, and again, I thank you so much for taking this time. We have about two more questions for you, if we may. Sure. Um, as humans, we, we're undoubtedly familiar with the phrase and the concept of, of, of lost love. And it's, and it's, of course, certainly painful to have to endure uh, any sort of, of deterioration of or ultimate loss of uh, our, our human loves. And of course, now and you know, knows this from experience. But I'm inclined to, to believe, as, as you'll probably agree, that, that his faith saved him and ultimately brought him through that incredible pain, still believing and trusting in the power of love, capital L, that is, God is love. So as, as Christians, how and why ought we or do we reject the idea of, of lost love in a way? Well, in a sense, if it's really love, there's no such thing as lost love. Uh, we have our ideas of what love is. We have our concepts. We have our illusions of what love is and even illusions of what God is like. And sometimes we need to lose these illusions and let go of the loves that are not the ultimate love. But in the bigger picture of things, when we have lost uh, our partial loves, we get to realize that even though we have lost our loves and what was meaningful to us, somehow we are still being held by someone or by something. And that even our experiences of what we might call lost love nothing is really lost. You know, Henry had this amazing sensitivity towards uh, people's needs, and he was able to respond uh, in a way that spoke to people, but he was also sensitive to the way he was treated himself. And many, many times, Henry found himself getting into crises, and the only thing that remained for him, even when he reached the bottom of the abyss, was a love that held him, the love of God. And so in a sense, he began to see the partial loves from the perspective of the greater love. And again, I, I'm, I'm mesmerized by not only the depth of, of your knowledge on this subject, but, but also, and, and, and you, know, you mentioned not only the title of, of one of his brilliant works that you, you know, read in, in spiritual formation, Intimacy, but the, the depth of his own intimacy and, and having, having drawn from himself and realized his own shortcomings and how those things ultimately, um, it's ultimately his weakness that pointed him to to Christ himself it reminds me of of what echoes from the scriptures when i am weak then i am strong and of course we look at you know Christ on the cross his his weakest possible moment was also his strongest and and it, it's through these i guess continual bouts with anxiety or with de depression or with heartbreak for all intents and purposes that that now one was able to sort of really hinge upon and build up this great uh, interior strength, uh, which brings me really to the question that I'd like to uh, use as sort of our, our, our wrapping up. Um, in, in both my own grief and, and even working with um, grieving persons uh, in, in the past, I 
uh, did some work as a, as a um, hospital uh, chaplain, um, I've been asked to sort of distill down the spirituality that Nowen writes about, especially as it relates to this idea of enduring love. Um, and I've often simply stated that love endures in God when it seems lost to us. I was just wondering, would, would you be inclined to agree with this as a Nowen scholar? And, and what else might you add to this understanding or how might you correct this understanding if it's a bit off? No, I would agree with it. And the one thing that Henry would tell us to do is to grieve our losses and to grieve our losses properly and deeply. Uh, because it is only when we have grieved that we come to realize that that which we have lost or think we have lost is meaningful. And, but as we grieve, we begin to realize that there's a new life that is coming from our grief, from our loss. And so our death, our life can become a gift that we give to each other. And so even when we lose something or we think we have lost something, it continues to endure in us by the way we have experienced the loss and by the way we have grieved. And I think one of the important things you were pointing out is in his weakness, in his wounds, in his uh, suffering, he was able to encounter also the light. And that's when we get to realize that, you know, in the end, we don't save ourselves. It is grace, it is God who saves us. And it was when we are weak, when we are at the bottom of the abyss, that we realize that somebody else comes to carry us through. And so Henry was able to invite us to allow ourselves to be weak and to realize that being weak is not necessarily a negative thing. It can become a grace in which we allow ourselves to, to be carried by God. He has an interesting book called With Open Hands. When we pray, when we relate to God, we open our hands. And God might take away what we have in our hands, but he might also give. So we, op we wait with open hands. How, how beautifully said, Father. Thank you so very much. Um, as sort of our, as we, as we begin to wrap things up, uh, I know that I cannot be and, and am likely not the only one uh, captivated by, by your depth of, of thought and your wisdom on, on such a brilliant and, and holy person. Um, if others are interested um, in contacting you related to tonight's topic, um, I was wondering uh, where we may direct them to be able to reach out to you related to um, tonight's topic. Yes, uh, I'm, I would be very happy to continue the conversation with anybody who you know, wants to continue talking about the life and spirituality of Henry Nouwen. I'm currently found at the Oblate School of Theology in San Antonio, Texas, and people can contact me via email by writing to rmwangala at ost.edu. That is my email address, and I'll be happy to continue the conversation because I believe, as Henry would say, we all need some kind of community as we journey on our you know, spiritual way. Thank you so very much, Father. I, I really appreciate your, your joining us this evening. Um, remember, um, listeners, uh, please, to follow us on Twitter. That's at insight underscore eternal, as well as our media broadcast partner, the Fiat Ministry Network, at Fiat Ministry Net.
And tune in next time um, for us when <clears throat> we will have another fantastic guest. Um, but lastly, perhaps you tuned in today looking for even the smallest ray of hope. We hope you found a, at least a little bit of that here. I encourage you and I certainly ask you all to please be kind to one another and to never turn away from those who love or value you. If you find yourself in crisis and not knowing where to turn, I encourage you to text the Confidential Crisis Helpline. Simply send the word hello to 741-741 at any time, 24-7, 365, and you'll be able to confidentially chat with a trained counselor. As Pope Benedict XVI once wrote, never doubt that you are wanted, you are loved, and you are necessary. On behalf of our producer, Kent Kaholsky and the Fiat Ministry Network, as well as our guest, Father Raymond Wangala, as well as all of us at Eternal Insight, I'm Anthony Marinese. Thank you for listening. Be blessed. Oh.